Welcome to the best kept secret video cast and podcast from Centricity. If you're a B2B service professional, use our five-step process to go from the grind of chasing every sale to keeping your pipeline full with prospects knocking on your door to buy from you. We give you the freedom of time and a life outside of your business. Each episode features an executive from a B2B services company sharing their provocative perspective on an opportunity that many of their clients are missing out on. It's how we teach our clients to get executive decision makers to buy without being salesy or spammy. Here's our host, the co-founder and CEO of Centricity, Jay Kingley. I'm Jay Kingley, co-founder and CEO of Centricity. Welcome to our show where our guests share their provocative perspective on what their target market is missing out on. I'm happy to welcome to the show, Dan Horwich, owner of Camp IT Conferences. Dan runs conferences that provide leadership education for IT executives and business development opportunities for IT suppliers. Dan is based in Skokie, Illinois. Welcome to the show, Dan. Thank you, Jay. I'm thrilled to be here. Dan, I have been in sales for far too long in my career. I have worked with organizations that have big sales departments, worked with companies where the owner is also the lead salesperson for their business. And one of the things that I think all salespeople feel the pressure is to produce the results. You know, like Alec Baldwin said in that great movie from 92, Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, ABC, always be closing. And that's our view of sales. It's that used car salesman who says to you, Dan, what's it going to take for you to drive this car off the lot? It is all about the transaction. It's all about putting numbers on the board. That's the incentive system that so many uh, organizations use for their sales, all your incentive compensation. In fact, even being able to hold on to your job is based on the numbers that you put on the books. So with this focus on such being so transactionally oriented, when we now take off our sales hat, put on our customer hat, don't we just hate it? Don't we just hate always being pitched and peddled and sold to? Where is the understanding and the empathy of who I am and what is it that I really need? And I thought salespeople were supposed to be helpful. I thought salespeople were supposed to try to help me get what it is that I needed. And yet it seems so often there's this big disconnect. Dan, you're somebody who has spent a lot of time, spends a lot of time in your business working with people in the sales function. And you've seen what works and what doesn't work. Give us your take on the right way to be thinking about sales transaction focused, or is there something else? Wow. I mean, there's a lot to unpack there, Jay. And first, thank you for having me on this because I'm, first of all, thrilled to be here. But but secondly, there's there's so many things we can do to help sales professionals, executives elevate their game. And I run across, given what we do in the conference business, we run across sales reps all the time, um, 20 times a year where there may be 15 to 30 salespeople in the room. And I watch them and I connect with them and I network with them. Um, the focus really has to be on the relationship. And a lot of people talk about that, but what does that really mean? And so the points you made earlier about empathy, about kindness, about understanding where they are, too many salespeople are formally trained of, to your point, Alec Baldwin's ABC always be closing. Um, the 
kind of like El Dorado as, as the as the number one prize instead of steak knives, et cetera. But what they're missing is thinking outwardly. Salespeople are trained to think inwardly. We need to close this to move the needle forward. We need to get this so we keep our job. What they miss in that is putting their stuff in the customer's shoes and what the customers are actually thinking about. And I coach a lot of my sponsors to say, there are five things that individuals are thinking about on a regular basis. The disagreement they have with their spouse or their partner from the night before, how they're going to get their kids into college and pay for it, when they're going to vacation, when they can retire, and sadly, no relative. And a salesperson recently said to me, well, what does that mean to us? I said, well, four of those things about upward mobility. So if you show your prospects what better looks like in their own career path, what's in it for them, how they can put their stake in the ground and show the enterprise what they have accomplished, not just by buying from you, but just in general, because you as a salesperson coach them to a better place. That's really what it's all about. It's about thinking outwardly, not inwardly. But by doing that, by taking that um, and putting that into practice, now you're creating raving fans that want to do business with you. So Dan, how do you transition, if you will, from, okay, Dan, I I want to spend time. I, I want to understand you your issues, what's going on in your life. I, of course, have this perspective of wanting to be helpful to you. That's a great way to build relationship. You know, make it about your customer, not about you, Um, with the need for me to put numbers on the board. So how do I balance that? How do I transition between those those two phases? That's a great question because it's overwhelming, right? <laughs> You've got these numbers and you're thinking, well, how do I get to know these people and focus on the soft skills? Is that going to lead to a transaction? Because I've got numbers and I've got my... I got my micromanager with sales forecast calls on Monday morning and Friday afternoon. And what am I going to close? I've got all the stuff I've got to do. And it doesn't make sense. You have to take, you really sort of have to take a deep breath and take a step back and figure out what is the language? What is the optimal outcome for both the customer and for the organization? For the organization, it's to stay in business and grow and build their revenues, build their customer loyalty and create raving fans. And you obviously want to keep your job. But I think all of it is, the other piece of it is, it's not just incumbent upon the sales professionals, it's incumbent upon the executives to create that culture and support that. Because you could have a sales manager, sales rep that says, no, it's just about numbers, 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 and not really appreciating it's about the relationship. And some industries are better at absorbing that thought process than others. But the reality of it is you have to have the support of the executives to do that. And some of it is really sort of expanding your professional network, giving before asking. The more you give to others, the more you help scale those relationships. And when people feel good that someone's out there to help them, they're going to want to help back. Their reticence is going to go down and they're going to hear your story. That is really what works. I think the days of the, there are a lot of comments about, um, you can see it on LinkedIn about cold calling still works, cold calling doesn't work. And I'm not necessarily going to get into that war or feed that. But what I'm going to say is people all will always buy from people they trust, the people they really think care about them. And in this day and age, after the past two years of what we've all gone through, people want to surround themselves with positive people that aren't necessarily looking to take, but are looking to give. In return, people are going to give back. That's really the mindset shift that needs to happen. And the best sales executives that I know get that. It's not the, the smile and dial. It's not where they smile at you. And then afterwards, you know, they're, they're not being consistent. They're not following through. It's relationships first, selling second. So Dan, it reminds me of that age old question, are great salespeople born or are they made? Can you take what you're advocating? Is it possible to turn that into a process that yeah. we can teach we can train that's repeatable, 
reasonably easy to deliver on that will generate predictable results? Or is this, come on guys, this is what makes a great salesperson from someone who's not. You either have it or you don't. And you know, I'm sure we can get to specifics a little bit later, but at that level, can I teach people or do I have to just select people for a sales role who intuitively understand this? It's a great question. 25 years ago, when I got into sales for some high-tech vendors, one of the things, one of the comments that one of the executives made was, salespeople are born, you can't teach it. And I disagree because the traits of being a good professional salesperson in this day and age, empathy, kindness, decency, those things can be instilled early on. Those will lead people to want to meet with you by showing those qualities. And it's really about connecting. If people have the ability to connect with others, sure. If people don't have the ability to connect with others, if it's not in their DNA, then they're not going to be a good salesperson or they might be a short term. It depends on what you're selling, right? If you're selling cars, it's a lot different than professional sales where maybe it's a one-time transaction versus a longer term relationship transaction. And to that end, I would say that there are two brands. You have the corporate brand and you have your own personal brand. Of the two, which needs to be stronger, your personal brand does because most salespeople aren't going to stay in every company. You want both brands ideally to be strong, but the strength of a personal of an individual's brand comes down to how well they're able to connect with others, how they're able to walk them down a path together where they're not manipulated. They're just helping, supporting, guiding, and showing them what better looks like. So I think folks can be coached to be great salespeople if they have those uh, specific qualities that we just mentioned. Then this all sounds great, but let me put on my business executive hat and say, it's got to do more than sound great. It has to actually contribute to our bottom line. You know, based right. on your experience, when you see a company adopt this approach as opposed to the transactional approach or make that transition from transactional to relationship driven. How have you seen the business results get better? Oh, that's a, that's a great question. <laughs> uh, significantly, and why? <clears throat> because once you have that approach, customers are more likely to recommend, because customers, especially in our industry, in the technology industry, it's a big world, but it's a small group, right? Of people that sort of connect with each other. So customers talk and they talk about reps that they like, and they talk about reps that they don't like. Even if you don't have a solution that meets that buyer's needs, that buyer may say to you, well, you've been so helpful to me, I want to introduce you to other folks in my network. Taking that approach expands your pool of buyers because as we've seen and as we sort of discussed earlier, people want to do business with individuals they like and trust. That's become more important in the last two years than ever. And what I've seen, even with colleagues or myself or whomever, when you adopt that approach, people are more willing to introduce you to other people, other prospects, other buyers. If you give first, you're going to you're going to reap the fruits of that labor um, in a good amount of time because then you have people recommending you to other people versus, oh, that guy just trying to close us. He's got his deal. We never heard from him again. Yeah, he wasn't. He really didn't care when we weren't buying. He was only there when we bought. You want people to carry the flag for you. That's how you scale. You know, it, it reminds me that the challenge of any business is not just to put numbers on the board today, but it is to have some predictability for your future. And, and you know, one of my experiences in professional services where I 100% had adopted this relationship-driven approach is I was supremely confident that my revenues would be exactly where I needed them to be over the next year, two or three, even though I had no idea what specific client was gonna call me asking for help, I knew 
that enough of them always would because of that uh, solid relationship. Well, let me let me go one step further, because I think when you talk about the results of your business, that's what drives importance. And importance means people are going to talk to you about exactly what you're going to want to, what you're saying. They're going to want to engage with you, but that doesn't always drive them to act. Action tends to be driven by urgency. And a lot of times that relates to emotion. So imagine that I am the, either the owner or the head of sales uh, I'm buying into what it is that uh, you are suggesting about moving towards a relationship-driven sales approach. Share some insights about how that impacts me emotionally and how that really gives me an awful lot of benefit that I'm going to be interested in uh, capturing. Thank you for that question. So it it, it goes to um, different sides of the brain, the emotional and the logical, right? The logical is we need to get to certain numbers we need to accomplish certain things. We need to move the business forward. Um, the emotional piece of it is because we, as human beings, we're wired emotionally first and logically second. When you see how people generally make decisions, a lot of decisions are based emotionally. I think from an executive leadership perspective, there's a lot of pride. If people are, if you're in an organization that has empathy and you care about succeeding, you're going to want to care about the welfare of your employees. If you care about the welfare of employees, you're sharing in their success. You can be the leader that can demonstrate, hey, I'm the chief revenue officer, I'm the VP of sales, look at what we accomplished. By coaching folks to take that position on how to build relationships, your numbers are going to scale, but you're also going to be the proud parent, the proud leader that said, hey, we reshaped things. Now I'm seeing the joy. I'm seeing my reps able to get a new house, put their kids through college. I'm able to see them save more for retirement. I'm able to see them help out family members who were you know, in a trying situation, as I mentioned before about the, the customers, what they're thinking about, if you're leading that way, you also have your internal customers to buy it. So the whole methodology we're talking about, about your external customers buying, your internal salespeople also have to buy into what you're selling with a sort of new relationship paradigm. So by doing that, this, when the salespeople realize what they can achieve and how they can make their, put their families in a better place, and you can show them this, they're going to buy into it because that's what they want to achieve. But it has to be articulated from top down. Now, when that happens, when those numbers are achieved, when you can see the smiles on the faces, when you have the spouse of a salesperson say, thank you for giving my husband, my wife, my, my partner this opportunity that's done so much for us, you then end up creating loyalty with the salespeople on the team because they've achieved their numbers. They've created a, a good existence for their families, but it was done with that emotional support. And then you could hang your hat on at the end of the day. We created this, but we created the right way in a healthy environment, healthy atmosphere to help the company scale. You've articulated, I think, a very compelling case to move away from this transactional driven approach and think about relationships first. Business will almost certainly follow. So I'm in. Give me a bit of a sense of what do I need to do tactically to make this transition. Now that's great. So what I always tell folks, because I coach a lot of people on LinkedIn, because it's a passion of my network. So I, I think the key is meet as many people as you can that are like-minded about network. You have to, the first thing is you have to build your professional network. If you think you're just gonna build relationships by calling people on the phone that you've never met before, they've got a hundred people calling them every day. So it doesn't separate you out. So whether it's a chamber of commerce, whether it's certain industry associations, get to know people, but have it with a servant leadership mentality first. Because the more people see that you're there to help, the more receptive they are to help back or help others. 
if you help someone and they help someone else, generally it's going to come back. Now, I always say you don't do it because it's going to come back, because then that's too transactional. That's the key with networking. You don't meet with someone to give them something and say, oh, they're going to give me something because that's sort of a, a dead end. What you do is you help someone with no expectation of return. They then spread the word. And the byproduct is more people are going to want to meet with you, but they're also going to say, hey, this has to be a two-way street. You've helped me. Now I want to help you. That's how you scale. I would say that the people that are the best networkers. The ones that are always meeting with others get that. They don't just meet with people in their industry. They don't just meet with buyers. I'm a big fan of networking with folks that are outside of the industry. And just to give you a, a case in point, since January 2021, I probably had 1,200 virtual networking calls, sometimes 40, 50 a week, sometimes 8 to 10 a day. 90% of them have nothing to do with my industry. And people would sort of scratch their head and say, why? Because they know the people I'm networking with end up knowing people back in my industry. So if I'm offering them value to, let's say, a credit card merchant, to a, to a recruiter, to an accountant, to an attorney, to a dentist, introducing them to people, physicians, whatever it may be, introducing them to people, they generally know people and they'll come back and say, hey, I want to introduce you to someone else that would have been in my industry that I never would have met. So you end up becoming a sphere of influence, right? You're creating this whole thing. By creating that sphere of influence... And people, people start seeking you out and you end up building your funnel. That's really how to do it. Now, the, the, uh, what, what some executives may say, well, I just want my folks pounding the phones. I don't want them out networking. That's a short-term approach because that's transactional. The key is to be the center of influence where people come and seek you out. They're then going to say that I have someone to introduce you to. That's how you build it. What I would say to any executive VP of sales is you should have your team out networking. They should spend... You know, uh, a few hours every week, just networking, going to whether it's a chamber of commerce, industry association, volunteering at the school. I've met attendees from my conferences by volunteering at the school. I've met salespeople in a mall near us just I struck up a conversation. So it's not just about your um, just networking in all these groups. It's always being approachable wherever you are because you never know when you're going to meet someone. You can be standing in line in a movie theater, chat with someone, say, hey, I've got someone to introduce you to after you have a few minutes of a conversation. That's how you do it. One of the things that I, I think is key to really understanding what you're saying is just put your customer hat on, put your client hat on. How is it that you want to be treated? How do you want those interactions to be? I think for anyone who is on the customer or buying side of any type of a professional service, any type of thing where service and you really need to speak to someone on the seller side to guide you, wants to do that not transactionally, but through a relationship. So Dan, on behalf of all the clients and buyers out there, we thank you. And let's continue to get this message out about how important relationships are. We're going to take a quick break and when we come back, we're going to learn a bit more about Dan. Are you wondering how much longer you have to grind and chase for every lead conversation and client? Would you like clients to knock on your door so you no longer have to pitch, follow up, and spam decision makers? Well, Centricity's Category 1 program uses a proven five-step process that will help you get in front of the decision makers you need by spending less time doing all the things you hate. It's not cold calling, cold email, cold outreach on LinkedIn or any other social media, or even spending money on ads. But it does have a 35 times higher ROI than any of those things, leveraging your expertise and insights at your prospects and network value. The best part, even though you'll see results in 90 days, you get to work with the Centricity team for an entire year to make sure you have all the pieces in place and working so you can start having freedom of time and a life outside of your business. 
So email time at centricityb2b.com to schedule an 18-minute call to learn more. Welcome back. We're talking to Dan Horwich of Camp IT Conferences. Let's find out a bit more about Dan. Dan, let me start by asking you for your business camp IT conferences, what are the pain points that you're solving for your target market and why do they need you to get rid of that pain? I appreciate the question, Jay. So as we talked earlier, it's about relationships. And we've created um, a community of IT professionals. We've been doing it for 38 years, second generation family business, but it's always been about relationships. So what do I mean by that? Well, we help sponsors get in front of a targeted audience of enterprise IT decision makers, both on-site and virtually. And if I take a step further, I always think about it as to help the sponsors, I have to have the right attendees in the room. To have the right attendees, it has to be about content. So it's got to be thought leadership content. We also feature speakers from IT departments that sit in the roles of the attendees there. At the same time, if I find that the salesperson is uh, in a bit of a pinch and they need to take on a new role, I'll introduce them to recruiters on the side. Same thing with the attendees. It's about the fabric of a community. When you have a strong fabric, people come back because it's like a second home. And that's what a lot of attendees and sponsors have told us. The attendees have told us that it's helped them, in so many cases, get promoted, find new ideas that they never would have found before by collaborating with other attendees. And for a lot of the sponsors, the sponsors have closed millions and millions of dollars through a business as we have so many testimonies on the website that articulate that fact, but it's all done through the lens of building relationships, of connecting buyers and sellers. And one of the unique things that we do is if there's certain sponsors that haven't, certain attendees that haven't stopped by a sponsor's table, I'll act as an advocate and find some of those attendees and walk them over to a sponsor's table in a very professional way. At the same time, if an attendee is looking to hire someone or if they need some help or if they need some guidance on really how to approach the business side, I'll always provide that guidance. So it's really about a community of both sides helping each other achieve their respective goals. You've heard that old truism that you are the company you keep. And I don't know many people on the customer side who look to work with other companies who are average and mediocre. The thing that everyone wants to say once they make that purchase decision is the reason I'm working with Dan and Camp IT conferences, because they are the best at what they do. So Dan, let me ask you pretty directly, what is it about you and your business that you would say makes you great at what you do? Thank you. So it's having that, part of it's the white glove service we provide, but it's also networking with salespeople after the event and introducing them to other folks. So when I was talking before about networking, Jay, it's not about, at camp, it's not about the transaction. It's about a community of like-minded folks building relationships. So I'll meet with a sponsor after the event and sit down and introduce them to channel partners, to managed service providers in my network, to decision makers where I have a warm relationship. On the same side, I'll introduce attendees to each other. I got that request at our event last week where an attendee wanted to look to build their network of PMO executives. And I made eight requests, I made eight introductions over the weekend via LinkedIn. So the best of what we do, it's putting ourselves in the minds of our sponsors by helping them get right in front of the right folks and having me become an extension of that by making those introductions. And same thing with the attendees. I understand what they're going through. They share it with me and I'll connect them with other folks. So it's constantly connecting people. It's constantly understanding what these individuals are going through and really listening to our customers. If we need to refine, if we need to change, it's keeping an open mind to the changes in the marketplace. That's really what makes us very formidable in the market. You've mentioned uh, LinkedIn on a number of occasions. I would encourage all of our listeners to look 
Dan up on LinkedIn and get a sense for his background and his accomplishments. And please connect with him there and take that very first step in order to build a relationship. But Dan, I want to go down a slightly different path. I'd like to understand from you, what happened in your life that would most explain why you do what you do today? Thank you, Jay. So some folks who may know me know I'm a pretty prolific networker and I'm always willing to help. And um, it comes from a personal side. So five years ago, we came across the archives of my grandfather's escape from the Holocaust. We hadn't, we knew the story, but it wasn't until five years ago we located the suitcase in the crawl space of my parents' basement all the original letters that he wrote to escape the Holocaust, including documents, passports with swastikas on them. And it was the kindness of a stranger in Chicago that received a letter from my grandfather and rescued him in December of 1938, brought him to Chicago, introduced him to my grandmother. And now there are three generations that are present due to the kindness of a stranger. So that's not lost on me, especially in this day and age with all the different things that are going on in the world. Kindness matters. Decency matters. Connections matter. Being there for people matters. Separating that out from the business, the business, uh, by having that mindset that enables us to scale the business because people matter, connections matter, decency matters, and people feel that when they work with us. And so I always have to be on the forefront of thinking about how I can make a connection that can help someone. Sometimes they'll change their lives. In the last year, four people called me out, called me directly and said that those introductions you made helped me get a new job as a CI, I was the chief revenue officer and a couple different IT directors. It was, it was because of that introduction I made to recruiters. Same thing with salespeople, enabling them to get meetings with certain clients, leveraging my network outside of the events. If you're always looking out for other people, there's joy in this whole game we call life because I always say the more you help others, the more your own personal joy is going to scale. And I'm, I'm the happiest I've ever been because of that. But people take to that. They want to be around positivity. And that whole family history has had such an impact on me. That's something I think about on a daily basis, just connecting folks, because if it wasn't due to the kindness of a stranger in 1938, I wouldn't exist. It's such a, a, an emotional and impactful story. And as you say, there's a lot of joy in it. And, you know, unfortunately, uh, you look at our world and, and history continues to seemingly repeat itself time and time again. And those acts of kindness to others less fortunate have as much meaning and purpose today as they did uh, back in the 1930s with your uh, grandfather. So uh, just a tremendous day. And I, I am sure that we have got a lot of our listeners that want to reach out to you either because of your general points of view and insight on the sales and relationship process and networking, if not specifically around your business in the IT space. So what is the best way for people to reach out to you? Sure. Thank you. So you can find me on LinkedIn um, or you can reach me, dan.horowitz at campconferences.com via email or via phone. And I believe you have a lot of that information too, Jay. Yeah, we're going to put all of Dan's contact information, both in the show notes for the podcast and as an insert into the video cast, make it easy for you to reach out to Dan. And I have to tell you, this is somebody that you absolutely not just want to have in your network. I'm going to tell you, you need to have them in your network, because even just sitting back and observing how he interacts with people, how he treats with people and how he conducts his business. Even at that passive level, you will learn so much. And if Dan can help you out on a proactive basis, 100% encourage you 
to do that, reach out and begin that relationship and dialogue with Dan. So thank you. Thank you, Dan, for coming on to our show, to our audience. Let's continue to crush it until next time.